That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, peace on earth to those who God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Amen. Thank you, Caleb. We have been involved in a series on the magnificent messages of Christmas. That is primarily the announcement by angels. We talked about the angel Gabriel when he spoke to Zechariah in the temple. We, we talked last week about Gabriel again as he made the announcement to Mary. And then I love the video, the angel's message to the shepherds. And as always, I want to look at these scenes and talk about the events that are involved and look at them in a practical sense, not just a matter of biblical trivial pursuit, but in the magnificent messages of Christmas, what is the message to me? Too often we hear the sermon or we read the scripture and we say, oh boy, that's, that's neat, and then we go away unchanged. My prayer for this service this morning that I will leave changed by the message from the Lord. And it is my prayer that you also will recognize the presence of the Spirit of God. And I pray for a movement of the Spirit of God in this service that we may be changed by the magnificent messages of Christmas. I want you to think first of all about this scene that Caleb has read to us that we saw in the video. And notice the angel's announcement. Now in that announcement, you first of all see the shepherds. We are introduced to the shepherds. And as it said in the video, understand that in that day, maybe even in this day, shepherds are considered of low esteem. They are not considered the most educated. They are not considered the greatest class of people. They are held as very common, ordinary folk, perhaps near the lower stratus of society. It says that they were in the regions, there were shepherds out in the field. Isn't it just like God, though, to make the greatest announcement of the greatest miracle that has ever taken place throughout all human history to very common folk? You're sitting here this morning, you see, I, I'm nothing special. 
Well, you're just who God's looking for. He knows who you are. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows all about you. But God specializes in stepping into the lives of ordinary folks with extraordinary events. In fact, He loves to use ordinary folk for great works that only He could do. And so He announced the birth of the Christ child, Emmanuel, to shepherds. They were out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. They were doing their normal routine. We have an idea, John, that we have to be in church or we have to be in some special event for God to move in our lives. But Rodney, God loves to step in to our ordinary lifetime when we're doing what we normally do. Perhaps when we least expect a visit from God. Don, God loves to step into our lives and not, Kelly, knock our socks off. Shock us out of our shoes with what He can do, with what He's got to say to us. Realize that in, when you're going through your normal routine, day after day, Pam, that's when God loves to work through you. That's when He wants to use you. It doesn't necessarily have to be here at church. I said, praise God for the volunteers that we have. But listen, God can use you with who you are, and He can use you where you are if you just allow God to work through you. They were out in the fields keeping their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. That is a sudden appearance. Some translations emphasize that it was a sudden thing. Now there was just an angel, just one in the beginning. And he appeared to them with a very special message. But notice their reaction. They were filled with great fear. Did you get that from the video? Running and stumbling away from the angels when they were saying in, in unison and bringing the message. Uh, yeah, just like Zechariah in the temple. He was filled with great fear. Just like Mary who when she was greeted, thou who art highly favored, wondered what kind of message is this and who does he think I am? Oh, he knows who you are. And when he comes into your heart and he comes into your life and he challenges you, challenge you actually to, to do something great for him, don't be afraid. Do not be filled with fear, but step out in faith and do what God is calling you to do. Your calling will be different from my calling. But Debbie, he's got a calling for every one of us. He wants to use you. Benjamin, he wants to use your talents to his glory in his house and in his service. And he wants to use those same talents, Corey, in your work every day as you represent him. Let him come to you. Let him speak to you and hear what he has to say, and obey his voice. I want you to, uh, don't be afraid of what God has to say to you. Some people are. They're afraid of what God might call them to do. But listen, he loves you. I said, I love my church, and I do. But I don't love my church, Jerry, near as much as Jesus does. He loves you, and he wants the very best for you, 
don't be afraid of the call of God. I, I don't have it in my notes. It's okay. I won't charge you extra for this. But I mentioned it last Sunday, and this is something that is close to my heart. Would to God that some young man in our congregation would hear the call of God to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and obey it. Would to God that some young lady in our congregation would hear the call of God to full-time service, maybe on a mission field somewhere. Praise God. Listen to me. Don't be afraid of the call of God for your life. He loves you. And he wants the very best for you. Well, I talked about the shepherds, but the central theme of this whole thing is the message that they brought. Notice that the message was fear not. It was a message of comfort. Uh, when we are in turmoil, the message of God to us, he is the God of all comfort. And He comforts us as no one can. Don't be afraid. Because I've got good news of great joy. This, the message of the angels was the good news. By the way, good news is gospel, evangelism, euangelion. The good news of Jesus Christ. I have good news. And Russ, it was good news that would bring great joy. It was not just good news. It was joyful news. There is no more joyful news than the fact that there is a Savior who will save us from our sins. Some people, Sheila, they look at the gospel of Jesus Christ and they think, oh, that's a bunch of rules and that's religion and it's going to be hard for me to do and I can't do that. Diana, it's good news because it's joyful news that there is a Savior who came to die for our sins. The message of the gospel is not a message of rules and regulations. It's not a message of religion. It is a message of relationship that Jesus, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, would be born to save us from our sins. It is the message of a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And please understand, for hundreds, yea, thousands of years, they had waited. There, I've said there had been 400 years of silence, and I think some people gave up on the plan of God. The people of Israel knew that there was a Messiah coming, that word, the Christ, that means Messiah, the Anointed One. And here is the announcement Pam, after all these years, Zach, they've been waiting for this. They've been looking forward to this. And here are these shepherds, these lowly shepherds in some grassy field on a dark night receive the message that today in Bethlehem, the Messiah is born. And this Messiah is a Savior. By the way, there's a sign that you can recognize him, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, we've glorified the manger. Folks, it's a feed trough. Do you get that? It's an animal's 
feed trough. How do we know this baby when we see him? Well, how many babies, newborn babies, do you think they're going to be in Bethlehem who are lying in a feed trough? Our Savior was born into lowly circumstances. The King of the universe, the King of all creation, the King of kings was made like us, born and laid in, born in a stable and laid in a manger. We have, what have you done with that good news? The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of you have been under the sound of preaching for most of your lives. But what have you done with the gospel? I've said to you before that what you do with Jesus is the most important decision that you will make in all your life. Have you recognized that you need a Savior because you're a sinner? Why do you want to be saved? Because of your sin. Have you recognized that your sin has separated you from God? And that the only way to be returned back into relationship with God is through the Savior, Jesus Christ. You have to admit your sin to God and you have to trust in Jesus as your Savior. What have you done with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ? And what has it done for you? What do you mean by that? Have you been changed? You see the evidence. I've, I've had people say, well, I just don't feel saved. It's not a feeling. It's faith. But I tell you this, if you've been saved, there'll be a change in your life. And if you are no different than you were before you trusted Jesus, something's missing and something's wrong. And you need to go back to that time and examine, did I know what I was doing? Did I understand? And did I really trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior? What have you done about the gospel? And what impact has it had on your life? Well then, the, the other part of that scene in the, in the shepherd's field near Bethlehem that night was the heavenly army. It, it says a heavenly army. Host. And that word host, both in the Old Testament when it talks about the host uh, and in the New Testament, the host is talking about a large group of people like a multitude, like an army. And it does say suddenly a heavenly host. There were with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. There was one angel. Tony, that was shocking enough, but I loved it in the video, Aaron, you did a good job of picking that video, because all of a sudden, the entire sky lit up, because the sky was filled with the host, with the armies of heaven, appearing with the glory of God, and it was no longer a dark night. All of a sudden, there was a blinding light that they from which they had to shield their eyes, God announced the greatest news and the greatest way to the lowliest of people, the heavenly host. Now, when we think about that, Zach, we think about maybe that would be like the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, you know, that they're singing with beautiful music and 
Roger likes organ music. Some of you do. That's okay. You have an idea that there was a pipe organ playing out there in the field that night. Um, I, I guarantee you, there had to be drum music. There just did. I just, I, I, I'm from Africa, and I love drums. And so there had to be a drum playing. But we, we, think, we think about music and singing this beautiful choir. And that's not the case at all. You get this? They were praising God. Now listen, we're not real good at praising God. We, you sit so silently and you listen to my voice as if you were enthralled with the sound of my voice. And I know the truth is, you're thinking, how many more points does he have? How many blanks on that stupid worship guide do I have to fill in before he's through? And you're thinking about the line at the restaurant. And you're thinking about the gifts you have to wrap this afternoon. You're thinking about all those things. Listen, I guarantee you on that night, there was no thought except what the angels were saying. They were not singing. They were saying loudly, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. They were shouting glory to God in the highest. God inhabits praise. What? Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Glory! God, God inhabits praise. Glory to God. We need to practice at praise. When was the last time you just broke out in praise to God? Glory to God in the highest. Zach was singing a while ago and I, could, I was weeping backstage. Hallelujah! I love that, Zach. Praise God. I guarantee you there was a praise team on in the skies that night like you and I have never seen. They, you may like Gaither. You may like casting crowns. But there is nothing. They weren't even singing. They were just shouting glory to God in the highest. Our God inhabits praise. Terry, when we step into the presence of God, the praises of God ought to be on our lips. Our hearts ought to be lifted to the heavens, praising God and loving God. Glory to God in the highest. Then in that scene, there is also the visit of the shepherds. The shepherds visit in Luke chapter 2, then too far. Notice the source of the message. Because immediately, I was waiting for them to say that in, in the video, and I'm not sure they ever said that out loud. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Get this, which the Lord 
has made known to us. They knew where the message came from. You say, well, it was angels speaking. Yeah, but who sent them? They recognized very quickly that the Lord was in this. They knew this was what God was saying to them. They would think what they would have missed if, if they had not believed that this was the Lord. They knew it was the Lord's message. They believed what the angel said. What would they have missed if they had not believed? There's, there's not any of them who said, well, that's their opinion. That's me. Good grief. And it's on silent. I thought God was speaking to my pocket. They believed what the angel said to them. There was no argument. Well, that's your opinion. That's your interpretation. How many people have missed out on the message of God because of their lack of faith? The Bible says, you say, well, that's your opinion. Why should I believe the Bible? Because it is the Word of God. Understand that what God says to you, He says through His Word. Will you believe it? I hate to tell you what you might miss if you refuse to believe the message of the Word of God. Not only that, they believed and they stepped into action. It says, and they went with haste. They said, let's go. I tell you what, I, I wish sometimes when, when I have preached, people come and say, what can I do? Let's go. Let's get busy. Let's, let's serve. Let's work. Let's volunteer. I, I mentioned that we are at half capacity in our attendance right now. And that means that we are working hard and our volunteers are having to work more work harder than normal. These guys heard the Word of God and they stepped into action immediately. Let's go. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Put your faith into action and see the blessings of God. Step out in faith they they stepped into action they went into action immediately and they spread the news when they saw it they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them see the problem is many church members most church members have never told anyone about Jesus. Are you excited about the good news? They were excited about what they saw. They saw the Lord. First of all, maybe I ought to ask you, have you really come into contact with Jesus Christ? Have you, do you have a relationship with Him? Do you know His presence? Do you know the sound of His voice? Has He made an impact in your life? Are you excited about it? I said earlier, I love my church because my church loves Jesus Christ. 
And together we love on others because Jesus loves people. Would to God that the members of Faith Baptist Church would get so excited about the, their church that they would go and tell everybody, even if you don't preach the gospel, you can at least say, I love my church because my church loves Jesus. The way that this church will grow is when the members of the church step out in faith and take the message of Jesus Christ to the world around them, to your neighbors, to your co-workers, to your classmates. Be excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ and tell someone. Go tell someone. Then the third thing in the story is Mary's contemplation. Maybe we would just leave it with the shepherds. But Mary is an important part of that. All of a sudden, the prophecy has come true. She's had a child. And now the shepherds have come. And they've had a, an amazing message. There are events taking place in her life. And it says that Mary treasured up all of these things. That means that she remembered. She remembered. She stored them these events in the treasury of her mind and of her heart. We need to remember what God's done in our lives. Sometimes, there's an old saying, Bobby in Alabama, I don't think they have that in Arkansas or not, but something happens or some big event or some principle is pointed out, some truth, and, and somebody say, drive up a stob right there. You ever heard that? These young people look at me like I'm, I've lost my mind. Don's laughing. You've, you've heard that, Don? Drive up a stob right there. That means make a marker of that. It, this is something you ought to remember. It's, it's a milestone in your life. What milestones in your spiritual growth have you celebrated? Some of us, I'm afraid, have not grown very much. And we've not gone very far We've not marked many milestones. Listen, God does not want that for you. He wants you to hear these sermons. He wants you to see these things from the Scripture and to make a milestone, make a mark there, to, to put it in the treasury of your heart and mind and let it do something to you. Oh, listen, if the Word of God does not do something in you and for you, we're wasting time our time here. I have said, and I agree, and I abide by that rule, it is a sin against God to make the Word of God boring. Boring preachers and boring sermons are a sin against God, and God help me to not be boring, but God help you to hear what the Word of God says and to take it personally. That's why I always say, don't spend your time evaluating what kind of job I'm doing. Listen to what I'm saying. That's why I say I'm not one of those preachers that says, don't take this personally. Don't shovel it, things. Don't shovel it over to the people behind you. Right now, there's not many people behind you anyway. Take it personally. Take the Word of God personally and store it in your heart and then meditate on it. It says she treasured up all these things, pondering them 
in her heart. That means she kept running it through, running it through her mind. Catherine thinking over and over and over again, what does this mean? And more than that, Betty, what does it mean to me? Personalizing it. Pondering means meditating, rehearsing it again and again to see what it means and to see what it means to me. So I ask you, what does Christmas mean to you? Barnabas class, that's actually what I was going to ask you for my questions. I said I had questions to ask you. The number one question was this, what does Christmas mean to you? It does not mean what the world says it means. They have their icons of Christmas, and that's not really what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about Christ. It is about the Son of God, the Savior of the world. What difference has the message of Christmas made in your life? Are you different? Has it changed you? Have you received the Savior, the Christ, Jesus, the only begotten Son of God? What difference has the real story and the real meaning of Christmas made in your life? And what are you going to do about it now? You've heard one more time the story of the birth of Christ. What are you going to do about that now? I want us to stand by our heads. As Roger's playing, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, think through the message of the Savior. Think through the images that we read in the Word of God, the Scripture. What message is there there for you? What difference has it made in your life? What difference should it make? And what decision do you need to make now? What commitment to God do you need to make right now? As the Spirit of God speaks to you, as He deals with you about your relationship with Him, about the life that you're living, about whether you're serving him or not. What do you need to do about the message of Christmas?